Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. 
Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello. What you're about to hear is a Patreon-only podcast. It's the start of the transfer window, and throughout January, we're producing podcasts about the incomings and outgoings at White Hart Lane. If you become a patron, you can get access to preview podcasts with fans from opposition teams, the Five Statements podcast, which reviews the previous game in depth before the main podcast comes out, and, of course, the No Holds Barred podcast, which has nothing to do with Tottenham at all. To sign up and get access, you just have to go to www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the fighting cock or just check the bio on our Twitter account, which is love the shirt. If not, enjoy the show because it's the last time we're ever going to fucking hear it. Up the Spurs. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Hello and welcome to the transfer touch-up. It's back because the January transfer window is open. Today we're joined by football journalist and former football scout monolith Kristen Hennage. Kristen, if you don't know, has unearthed such talents as Wayne Rooney, Ronaldinho, Charlie Austin and Lee Catamol. Welcome Kristen, how are you doing? Yeah, no, bad. There's only one of them I don't really want to take credit for. The others I'm happy to, to lie through my teeth about. What, Ronaldinho? Yeah, just not a fan of the fancy stuff. <laughs> you hurt your ankle recently and you got married. Those are the other two. Everybody's up to date with the world of Chris and Hennage now, right? Yes, yes. That's, that it's been an eventful uh, highs and lows, highs and lows. And, and also another bit of interesting information about Kristen is he lives in New York. Yes, that that is uh, that's where I live now. I just had some friends over from from Newcastle as well, which was nice. So it's uh, it's all systems go as 2020 caps off. Is there, a, is there anything else that I don't know about you? Uh, not that I would want to share recorded. Um, okay, fair enough. But uh, yeah, not nothing major outside of the fact, this is not something I've told many people, but I used to uh, model as a child and worked with Cheryl Cole. <laughs> That's, I, I love the fact that I now know that about you. That's incredible. Uh, just... I've got to be honest, it's, it's, it's always a little bit upsetting when someone totally doesn't believe it because it's absolutely true I, I do believe it i can see you've got a very um pretty face Christine. yeah those, those networks aren't going to open themselves <laughs> <laughs> uh just but you know just so that you know that the the fighting cock and especially the, the stuff behind the patreon is a very uh, open-minded place so if, if you ever feel the need to share anything in your life then this is a, a great uh, forum for you to do it i appreciate that uh, we've got to talk about Mourinho, haven't we? And we're also going to talk about his tactics, but we're also going to talk about some of the players that we've been linked to in the in the, the, the window as it's only been open like three or four days, but there's been a number of big names that have been linked, all that probably won't come to fruition and will end up not signing anyone. But that's besides the point. We have to talk about this. Um, yeah, so we're going to go through the names, and um, at the end of the podcast, I'm going to ask you to choose two that would solve the current problems that are going on at Spurs. But before that... We've got to talk about Mourinho because the last time we spoke, Kristen, I was very excited because he, Jose had just signed. You know, he, mm-hmm. you know, we'd, we'd gone, we'd left, you know, Mauricio Pochettino in the past because at the time it felt necessary and we had to move on. And bringing in a born winner in Jose Mourinho seemed like 
the right thing to do and we were getting results but things have stagnated somewhat and i got from your tone when we spoke last was that that you perhaps wasn't excited as excited as a general football fan about jose Mourinho's appointment at spurs as i was as a spurs man is that fair yeah i think so i think i was just a little bit uh hesitant to to fully invest it because I was unsure if this new Jose, if you want, how, what that was going to look like and also which sort of version of him you were going to get, whether that new version was going to hold past any kind of turbulent moments that he had early doors. So it's it's one of those things with hesitancy. I think a lot of people will profess to be sure of something, but I, I always think you need to even temper your own certainties with just a little bit of it could also go a different way. Yeah, but as, as a fan, you don't want to do that, do you? I, look, no, I, absolutely. I yeah, produce I podcasts, but I'm a, I'm a fan of Spurs first, and I just want to go head over heels into every situation. I don't really enjoy reserving excitement or reserving expectation so that down the line I can say, well, I, I knew that this wasn't going to work out, and I would rather just go head over heels in love with someone and just <laughs> see where see where that that takes me i guess yeah and i get that though because at the same time mauricio had such a uh had become so invested in that football club that it was so heartbreaking to see him go that ultimately you needed something to replace that and you needed to believe that something better had come down the the turnpike to use an american phrase and i think that was what Mourinho was seen as and so investing in that it was very much okay look it's a horrible situation that he's gone in those circumstances but we've got to back the new guy a a little bit kind of you know the king is dead long live the king that old that old chestnut yeah yeah I agree I I understand that um and that and that's that's pretty much where I was at I think some Spurs whatever Spurs fans that were happy about that appointment they're in the same boat so What's been your overriding feeling about Jose Mourinho's performance as Tottenham manager thus far? Um, I think it's been okay. It's always difficult when you arrive sort of outside of the transfer window because it really does test your ability to adapt and sort of lean into the squad that you've got because you can't make changes realistically. Um, and I think to that end... I've seen a lot of things I would expect from him and a lot of things that I would imagine we'll see the squad change in the, in the next, if not so much this window, but definitely the summer window is where I think you'll see more changes. But also some positives in terms of embracing those older players because I think we discussed at the time, he, he does have this preference for the finished article. He's, he's not someone I think, especially more recently in his career, who has wanted to take this young player and buff out the rough edges and and work with them in a way that is long-term. Because I think he may not admit this, but deep down he kind of knows what his lifespan is at club. He knows that, a bit like uh, Bella Gutman, the old Benfica coach, said, you know, he can't stay more than three years because after three years the players stop listening. So I, th- I think yeah. it's it's a little bit of that with him. So I'm not surprised that the likes of, of Vertonghen and Alderweireld have, have felt a little bit more kind of welcomed. Yeah, and then obviously Alderweireld, who, you know, when, when we spoke in the summer and we did many of these sort of transfer touch-up podcasts in the summer, 
when we spoke, Alvaro was one that we just thought, you know, he was on his way. You know, in in January, he's going to sign a pre-contract with pretty much any club in Europe, more or less. And he could go where he likes and sign a massive contract. And it didn't happen. That release clause of 26 million wasn't um, wasn't activated. And lo and behold, two weeks ago, Alderweireld, our very best defender, if you if you remove the, the, the high ceiling and potential of Sanchez, who under Mourinho has had an incredible resurrection because he was, in my opinion, not a, a, perhaps not even a top, 10 Premier League centre-back under Mourinho Sanchez has, has absolutely flown and, and, and been incredible in, in my opinion but Alderweireld signs this new contract out of nowhere and it's a three and a half year deal so he's 29 boy 30 with all intents and purposes but as a as a centre-back it's you know uh, these are peak years and for him to sign and solve that problem was an incredible thing and he did that because Mourinho took over so you know, what, what did you make of him signing that new contract? Um, I, I think to me it was, I guess, a reaction to the fact that Pochettino had gone because I think for someone like Pochettino, he's almost going to be looking at that age and thinking, yeah, he's he's kind of got to go. Um, I must admit, I was also a, a tiny bit surprised because I look at it and think, well, I always thought that Pochettino and Daniel Levy were on the same hymn sheet with that one in terms of, it's about getting these players young, developing them somewhat, and then selling them to fund the next generation. Mm. So I, I guess they took a, a look at the situation and said, you know what, he was available for $25 million in the summer and nobody seemed interested, which, again, genuine surprise to me, genuine surprise, because centre-backs are starting to go for more and more money um, across the continent now. So the thought of someone who was that reliable for $25 million, even in Europe, uh, mainland Europe, where I think prices aren't as high as the Premier League, it surprised me that, that no one really sought to, to activate that. So I think ultimately it can be seen as a good thing because it, it gives more stability, it gives more structure. And I think Spurs can now focus on getting that next young centre-back and having them learn from someone that you know is going to be there for a while and knows the club and has transitioned through some difficulties himself, I think, at, at Atletico when he when he left Ajax and then become one of the, the better Premier League defenders of his generation. What, what do you think about Daniel Levy and his it's seemingly change in philosophy? Because like you say, there did seem to be some symbiosis between Pochettino and Daniel Levy about how important it was to get young players coming in and, and playing under a, a certain ideal and playing a certain way. And, and when they get to a stage where they're at their peak value, they'd be sold and, and we buy new young players to be developed under Pochettino. It seems that there could have been other managers out there that would have fit into that mould, like Ten Hag or, um, forgive me, the uh, Leipzig manager, Nagelsmann. Mm-hmm. Um, that, mean- that maybe it would have fit in, it fit into that better, that that role better, but by em- employing Jose Mourinho, we've we've shifted completely, which is almost like a a success model, right? It's yeah, it's more it, it's it's a kind of a shortcut. If there is such thing as a shortcut to success, Jose Mourinho's idea of buying ready-made players to fit a system, it seems like it's, that that's more likely a route a route to sort of quicker success. Yeah, it makes me think first and foremost that Levy believes that was the ceiling of Spurs, that Champions League final, a second place finish that was close, 
Um, and it's a difficult one because there's part of me thinks, well, okay, you've been proactive in, in that regard and you've started to put more emphasis on let's just go and buy what we believe are players that are ready-made or at least let's players that break the financial structure. But then it makes me think, well, if, if Mourinho doesn't work, what is going to be your next step? Are you going to revert again to, Pochett- to a Pochettino-like model where you take a young coach? When you mentioned Nagelsmann um, there, I, I must admit, I thought of Graham Potter at Brighton um, because there are just so many rave reviews about people that have worked with him in, in Sweden um, and at Swansea that it, it, I think it was David Priest who said that he can, can see him working for, for England at some point. Um, so well, that might next... be part of the reason why Brighton have snapped him up on such a long... I mean, how long was that contract? Is it nine years? Something, something mate, crazy. Well, that's that's the thing. I th- Dan Ashworth has links to the FA as well, so I, I would be surprised if perhaps he wasn't looking at him for for quite a while anyway, just to to get him involved in, in some context. Um, but I think my my curiosity with that as well is, if this doesn't work, if the Mourinho era of Tottenham does not produce that success, because I do think there are obvious reasons you want to win trophies. It's wonderful, you know, you bus top tours and all that kind of stuff. But there's also part of me that wonders, are Spurs wanting to win trophies because they're aware that players will look at that now? It's good for business. Yeah, the the next generation of players they go for won't say, well, you know, I want to join Spurs because that moment in Amsterdam was lovely. I I think there are a certain crop who will look at it, and and rightfully, I think this is true of a football period, who will look at it and say, well, I actually want to win a Premier League or I want to win a Champions League or what have you. So... To that end, it's it's a little bit Machiavellian, I guess. The ends justify the means. You bring Mourinho in, he wins you something, and then no one talks about that trophy drought anymore. I mean, they could be really obnoxious and say, well, it's just a League Cup or it's just a Europa League or whatever. But I think that's that's just trying to satisfy people that will never be quenched. <coughs> one player that's um, <coughs> dividing opinion at Tottenham, <coughs> excuse me, at the uh, at the moment is Lucas Moura. Mm. Uh, Mourinho absolutely loves him. Tried to sign him at. Uh, Manchester United and in the press conferences as he joined Tottenham he talked about us having such a special squad and that he tried to sign four or five of those players it's a little bit worrying that one of those was Eric Dyer at Man United but you know Lucas Moura is playing and he's a regular star as regular as almost every other player on that pitch now whereas under Pochettino he was a super sub or a bit part player who would come in and feel when injuries occurred what's your opinion of Lucas Moura generally and and do you rate him do you feel like he he is a good player and he should be playing at Spurs or or is he above his level what what do you think I think he's okay as a role player someone to maybe throw on if you want a bit sort of not chaos so much as just someone to pop up in dangerous areas but I have a hesitancy to really put all of my eggs in my back in one basket and say yeah he's the guy I would want starting week in week out I think he has these moments and you have to be really careful when you look at that and say oh well you know he scored in Amsterdam for example or he did this and think that that covers all of the bad games where he's quite forgettable um, I think his his assets are obvious he's a, he's a good dribbler his his technique is fairly decent he gets himself into the final third there's clearly a benefit in that but I would also say well Son can do that and Son's a much better player so 
don't try and, and fit them both in. I think you could go for someone different that maybe offers a bit more creativity or, or something that the team actually really needs. Uh, a lot has been made of our lack of midfield or specialist players in midfield. I think the main three are Winks, Sissoko and Dombele as well. Uh, and Dombele's obviously been hampered by injury and you know, it seems like he's going to get a layoff again. But in these times of fitness has shown excellence that we kind of need. And when Spurs are playing well under Jose Mourinho, it has been when Ndombele has been on the ball and fully fit. But we mm-hmm. do have a problem definitely in that double pivot of a 4-2-3-1. And Mourinho seemingly, from, from a Luddite's perspective as I am compared to him, it seems like he's playing a direct style of football to, to negate having to play through the midfield because perhaps he doesn't trust that centre midfield pairing. Do you feel like that direct style of play is symptomatic to Jose's route to success or is he playing that way because he feels that, you know, he doesn't have the players to play any uh, any other way to get that, you know, to get, get the points on the board, which is what we need at the moment? I want to say a little of column A and a little of column B um, because this is, so this is the thing about Mourinho is that the defensive midfielder, is intrinsic to his teams in terms of being not even so much an enforcer as just the the tactician on the field, like the guy who understands the game, sees the game and reads it. So, you know, Matic, uh, Costini, all the way back at Porto, Cambiasso at, at Inter Milan, like he he's the on-field general, if if you like. Um, so yeah, it's an so, important position for him, definitely. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, out of the teams that he's had, uh, Chelsea he had, for, in first instance it was Makaleli and SEN he had in that double pivot, didn't mm-hmm. he? Uh, I think Ramirez in the second time, if I, if he was that box-to-box midfielder at Chelsea in the second spell. Um, so, yeah, so, so it is crucial to his style of play and, and we don't have that currently. So one of the players that we're... We, we're we've been linked with and I think we'll start this we'll go through these list of players now um, uh, the players that Spurs have been linked with in this January period and one of the players that stands out to me as as a way to solve this perhaps is Jokure of um, Watford Mm -hmm. could you see him what's your opinion of Jokure and would he fit under a Mourinho system so I think if you go back maybe let's say at the end of last season I did like a lot about Takura. I thought he was a good sort of... He would roam around, he would break stuff up, um, he would get goals. There was, there was a, a lot to like about him and, and that's what I think triggered Everton putting a bid in of about £30 million for him, which was rejected. This season, I think his form has paralleled Watford's in so much as I don't think he's been great. Um, I think if you look at some of the numbers, I think Etienne Capu is getting through more defensive work than him. But at the same time, that could just be a player out of form. Um, mm. He's also 27. That's so. It's in theory he's coming towards his peak. So, it, but it still feels like a gamble just because of how this season has been and and the fact that Watford have turned down 30 million. So, realistically, you're going to think even now they're not going to want to sell him mid-season for obvious reasons. Mm. But when they do come to sell him, they're probably going to want close to 50, which is. It's a lot of money for a midfielder that maybe you're not entirely sure on. Okay, uh, the other uh, another one is Koulibaly from Napoli. Yeah, so he's an interesting one. He, he's um, 
has a nickname K2, like the mountain, because he is massive, strong, quick, reads the game very well, an all-round good defender. And, and so for that reason, used to when you read a transfer story about him, the fee was usually about 100 million, give or take, um, which I can understand. He's had a bit of a tough season because Napoli have as well. They're the eighth in Serie A at the minute, and they they got rid of Ancelotti um, last year because it just just wasn't working. I, I don't think Ancelotti has maybe the intensity that you need to ma- manage that Napoli side in its current uh, form, having been through Sari and and people like that. Um, so it's it's a bit of a tough one that I think is made easier for Spurs in the sense that. He is 28 now. He's going to be 29 by the next start of next season. And he's also in the last 18 months of his contract. So I think if, if Napoli have any kind of common sense about them, they're going to be looking at this as, you know what, we need to potentially maximise any fee we're going to get from him because he will go for free. He'll be 30, but even still, that's not, I don't think, terribly old for a defender. You'll still find suitors, no problem, um, for him on a free transfer. So they'll be looking, possibly, I would imagine, to, to sell him in the summer. Um, it's just how much. I think that's the other thing, is that he will bring a leadership to the, the back line. Not to say that there's an absence of that, but it's you can never have too much in, in that regard. Um, and I think it's it's a deal that maybe I would never really picture Tottenham making, God, go back as like 12 months ago, maybe. But at the same time, it's one that I think would be really, really fantastic for them. I think it would just push them up a level, absolutely. Uh, Todd Cantwell of Norwich. Yeah, Cantwell, wow. So he, so he's quite an interesting one because he went on loan to Fortuna Sittard in Holland. Um, and Norwich have done this with another player. I think it's Charlie Gilmore who was at Arsenal. They picked him up on a free, Scottish, um, and they sent him to Holland as well. And I must admit, when, when they sent Cantwell... I thought, oh, that must mean, you know, he's maybe not as good or, or whatever. But actually, it was very much ignorance on my part, I think, because he's a little bit smaller, he's a little bit slighter. So I think they wanted him to play in a league where, A, it was it trends predominantly younger compared to other leagues in Europe, but also it's focused on having the ball. And he's tweeted things to that effect of, you know, I've been told I'm too small, all these things, but... You know, I'm convinced I'm going to make it. And to his credit, he's been really good this season for Norwich. Yeah. In a side that I actually really enjoy watching Norwich, even though, you know, they're in the relegation spots. I think they should be higher than that. I think their their play has been really dogged by just bad luck um, to injuries and all that kind of thing. So him as a player, though, he, he plays on the left wing, but I wouldn't call him a winger as we think of one in the traditional sense because he wants to come inside. And I think we often have, chats i have a book on the shelf i keep meaning to read about number 10s because they're sort of a a love of mine something that i just really kind of want to indulge in um we talk about them kind of disappearing from the game now uh partly i think because of the rise in the number six role or the makalele role buskets or whatever you talk call it i think that actually we've not seen them eradicated i think we've just seen them moved wide and in some instances deeper to play more like an eight than a ten and I think Cantwell is that. He's someone that can dribble, that can find a pass, that can shoot. So he can do a bit of everything. Um, but it's it's just a case of Norwich see more benefit in accommodating him via a left wing role where he can link up with someone like Jamal Lewis, who, who plays at left back. So I like him. Um, the only curiosity I would have is whether he would get into that Spurs side regularly because that's, 
that's the other thing you always have to be so careful with with young players is you're signing them because they're on great momentum and they're doing whatever they're doing for their club are you going to be able to help them maintain that momentum in terms of minutes in terms of opportunities fitting into your system how, how are you going to manage that transition period otherwise because then they just get stuck in this horrible bubble where maybe they play 10-15 minutes at, at the end or you know they have to go out on loan and it's quite destabilizing and before you know it you've essentially sapped a lot of the good energy that was around them when you signed them and you're trying to rejig that up and it, it can be quite difficult Okay, good. Uh, Max Aaron's, I'd imagine a lot, a lot of the same is going to be aimed at him. Um, we do have a massive problem at right back, so Jory, uh, as much as we try to hold on to the really good stuff he does in on, on occasion where he does it, it, he isn't the answer to to our our right back situation. Could Max yeah. Aaron's be the one? It's it's like a dog that brings you slippers, but then drops them in his water bowl when he sees you. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly that is Sergio in a nutshell. That's exactly it's, it. It's, such pure intention, but horrific execution. Um, and I think, look, that's where I would say, yeah, Max Aaron's. that's someone I would want to sign. I think I, I've spoken to you before, Ricardo Pereira, when he was at Nice, I wrote a piece with, I, f- I forget who the other two were, but I remember Pereira was in there because I said that I thought Spurs should go for Pereira because he's a very good attacking fullback, offers exactly what Spurs want from that position. Um, and I think... Even if you got him now for fifty million, again, I think he massively upgrades that position. Yeah. Max Aaron's is is further back in his development, understandably, but again, I think he's better than Aurier personally. I think he offers you uh, ability in the final third. He's still growing as a player. In in general, we're pretty blessed, I think, as a nation at, at right backs when you look at the the whole pool. Deep, whether isn't it's it? yeah, yeah, whether you look at like James Justin at Leicester who who hasn't, I think, really had a kick quite yet, but was putting up ridiculous numbers in, in the EFL. Or Aaron's, again, that's a, that's the one that we're talking about now. I, th- I think he's the one I would want to go for. Um, he looks like it will cost about £30 million based off the press reports that you read. I, th- I think that's fair. I think go for that. I think you can give him enough of a platform to succeed. Um, and I think the, the growth potential in him is enough that that will quickly prove to be value for money is the paolo dybala dream done and dusted given his form for juve this this season or could we see some pattern of events that would see a player like him join tottenham yeah i i think i think that one's done and dusted personally i Fuck think you Kristen. it's not I know. it's gonna happen I um she's gonna break up with a boyfriend again i promise i know um, I think, unfortunately, yeah, I think Sarri's been quite hesitant to play him, Higuain and Ronaldo together, um, which, again, feels like a very Sarri type of quandary. Um, this isn't what the book says. I have to do what the book says, that yeah. type of thing. Yeah, yeah. But when you put Dybala and Ronaldo together, never mind Higuain for a second, goals have tended to follow. I think they had something like five between them in, in 90-odd minutes. Like It, it, it was impressive. And I think he, in fact, scored a lovely goal against Sampdoria just last month. A really just very technically precise volley from quite far out. Um, didn't didn't fly into the net, just sort of drove itself in like one of those Teslas parking itself. It was really smooth. Um, and I just look at that squad that, that Juve have got now and I just think, you know what? 
they're going to want to hold on to him because he's got his peak years to come. It seems madness, and, even the idea of selling him. It just seems crazy. Like you saw that goal yeah. he scored in the Champions League. You've got a player that can do something like that. You don't let him go. Exactly. I, th- I think I think the summer was difficult um, because obviously he was linked to Manchester United as well. And I remember the tweets of, he's agreed an 11 million deal and he's done all this and he's done all that. But I think it was just... I guess a little bit of chicken from both sides of, uh, in terms of Juventus and Dybala kind of pushing each other a little bit and saying, well, if you want to go, yeah. here's a chance. And him being like, oh, well, I've agreed. But in the end, I think they both realised that they were better served staying together, which I think ultimately in the long term they will be. Jerome Boateng, apparently the reports today, Arsenal are in- interested, Spurs are interested. Bayern Munich are also interested in letting him go for as little as 5 million euros. I'm not... I don't know if this is about his contracts. I don't actually I haven't checked this, but I presume he's out of contract at the end of the season. And he hasn't. He, he's been decent, relatively decent this season. But last one, he he um, he, he was awful, and, and and in Germany generally was kind of had some some issues about his ability to to even play for the national team as well. So I, I mean, you're better position position to talk about Jerome Boateng than I am. Would that be a good signing? Uh, I'd let Arsenal take him if I was you. Really? Um, so he he has some stuff off the field to to sort. I think he's got a domestic abuse case, which is still working its way through the court systems. We but haven't got I, a wife beater at Spurs. Actually, that tell a lie. I think we do. So yeah, we don't need another one. Yeah. So I th- I think you know we'll we'll park that to one side because I'm not a solicitor and I don't think you are either. Um, yeah, but it's behind the paywall. We can say what we want. I promise, <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> in, in, let's park in, it. Let's park it. In, in terms of just on the field, um, he's on a lot of money to begin with. I think his contract expires 2021. So if you kind of matched it until then, you're paying, I think it's 200,000 euros a week until then, which is, is a lot of money. And the concern I have with him is when you're, say, 21 and you're full of beans and you can run around all day, you're likely to make more mistakes because you don't have the experience. And the idea is the... The slower you get, the better you get at reading situations because you've got that experience. A nice sort of little seesaw moment. I've seen him lose what I think is is a decent amount of pace, but I think some of those mistakes are still in there. Now, granted, he's not had, I would say, consistency in terms of game time or anything like that, but I just feel like he's on a downward trajectory personally. And I think, you know, I saw talk of him being put alongside David Luiz. That, to me, is not a good idea in, in any shape or form. And if I'm wrong about this, fine. I'll, I'll, you know, I will hold the L, I believe the kids say these days. <laughs> but, but to me, that just seems like a recipe for disaster because you've got two guys that have a mistake in them trying to govern each other. And I, I just think for, for Spurs, yeah, it's great that the club are even looking at sort of older players, if you will. But I think it has to make sense. It has to... I guess the the example that springs to mind it has to be like an Edgar Davids, like someone that I think is going to bring something really intangible mm. and maybe not cost the world as well. I think, look, he I think he'd cycle to London if if he thought the offer was on the table because I think that would suit his lifestyle down to a T. Um, and and I'm not someone that subscribes to this idea that you know him going to Rihanna's launches and things like this is unprofessional. I think it's great if players have a disconnect from the game because it's a madness of a circus 90% of the time. So if you have other things you care about, that's great. But when it comes to on the field, I just think there are too many red flags for 
for it to make sense because I think he'll be self-aware enough to know this is going to be my last big contract. So even if I can't get that same money in the basic salary, I want it in appearance fees and all that kind of stuff. And it's just a massive investment that you don't need with, with Alderweireld already in the squad. Fair enough. Thomas Lamar, the final one. Uh, this is a player that we've been linked with time at Amorium and you know he died when he went to Atletico Madrid Arsenal were heavily in, involved as well and we we thought that if we could get someone like him I think he was at Monaco before if, if my memory serves me correctly yes um and he's gone to Atletico and it's kind of kind of his career's kind of died a death uh Spurs apparently can pick him up pretty cheap or on loan with a view to buy but does, what, what, what do you know about him since he, you know his time at Atletico Madrid? And is it is, is it a player that we should be looking at? Is he going to improve us? Is he better than Lucas Moura or or Humminson? Or would he add depth to that forward line? What, what, what do you think? I, I think so. So he he he, um, he got his sort of start at Cannes, and then it was one of these players that Monaco picked up through their their recruitment. And made a better player, a bit like Bernardo Silva. Granted, Silva came from a much more, I would say, established place in in Benfica. Um, but the thing with him is, I know Liverpool were heavily linked when he went to Atletico, but didn't want to pay the fee. I don't think he set himself up the best to succeed at Atletico, Lamar. But I also, whenever an attacker struggles under Diego Simeone, I'm not terribly surprised. Why is because that? Then? I don't. It's because he, his style of play is not suited yeah, to that it's, kind of. It's a, Style of play, it's it's not always great for attackers. I mean, I was quite surprised to see that Zhao Felix won the, the, the Golden Boy Award because I just thought, well, don't really think he's done a ton since he got to Atletico to, to justify that. And so I always have a bit of sympathy because there are a lot of attackers that have gone to Atletico under... Um, Atletico, excuse me, uh, under Simeone and not succeeded. Um, as I say, I think you do have to give some responsibility to the... The player as well. It's funny we're talking about that off air. The idea that really this responsibility—it's—it's it's a cloud. It's not you know a metal ball that one person holds, um, or very rarely is. And so I think in terms of him coming to Spurs, that change of scenery could be really nice, especially especially if the the fee is not too substantive, substantive, um, or substantial rather. I think a loan to buy is the best idea, just so you can get a feel for him first. Um, but I think he he offers pace I think he offers directness and and the kind of thing that yeah quite like you you would argue if he comes then realistically Lucas Mora has to go because I think they're going to facilitate pretty similar roles um in the first team but yeah I think he he's someone only 24 so he's still got a good couple of years ahead of him as well which is nice I think he's the kind of signing I could see being made under Pochettino or Mourinho yeah, well, that's the thing, that previous generation where it was, oh, well, how do we get these younger guys who've still got six, seven years ahead of them to play? Yeah. But, but could you think it could work under Mourinho, though? Yeah, I, th- I think so. The, th- the thing is, you yeah, I mean, you make a good point there. I think you could argue it's out of the frying pan into the fire because it, at Chelsea, I think it was most pronounced where he took Arjen Robin and Damien Duff and made them into really functional wingers, which... You know, is just not the kind of winger that you want to see. To be honest, you want to see flamboyance mm. and you know mercurial talent. Not oh, he's really reliable. Um, but I think at the same time, I look at how Son has reacted to um, 
Mourinho early yeah. doors. And I think a similar thing could happen. I, I feel like we're so quick to paint Mourinho as someone that that has no flexibility, that has not changed since he, he came through at Porto. That we have to give him some credit when maybe he's softened in, in certain areas. Okay, so out of that list, uh, I'm going to ask you which two, if Tottenham could buy them, would help us solve our current problems. So that list again is Koulibaly, Cantwell, Decore, Aaron's, Dybala, Botang, and Lamar. I'm going to say Max Aaron's first and foremost, um, and then I'm 50-50 between Decore or Koulibaly. Um, let's choose to see the light in the world and say that Decore comes in and, and recaptures his form and plays well alongside Ndombele. It's, uh, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because I, I, I would agree with you, out of those two... I, I, I was I, Max Aaron's was the first one, and this is a twenty-year-old kid from Norwich who has played what I don't know eighteen games in the Premier League. But Max mm. Aaron's would be my number one, and yeah. I couldn't decide between Koulibaly and Decore. But based on what I'd seen, I, I, I think Decore and what we need at Decore is is the one. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I mean, that's the other thing as well, isn't it? With with Ndombele at the minute, this idea of him being fit enough to play all the time. Um, yeah. And and if there's one thing I sort of don't really agree with with Mourinho, it's this idea that you know he he almost encourages players to play through the pain as if it's some sort of test of loyalty. And I just think you're going to do so much more damage to him in the long run. Manage his situation, you know, work with him a bit on this, and and really kind of accept that okay, maybe he's not. Thirty-eight yeah. game a season guy who can play ninety minutes. You maybe need to use well, him for those first sixty, seventy, and then take him off. Yeah, well, on that there was I think for the I can't remember the game. We played so much football over the last you know, four weeks. I can't remember the exact game, but there was one that Ndombele didn't make it to the squad because there was reports. This didn't come from Mourinho, I don't think directly, but the reports that. And Dombley was worried about a strain, and so he wasn't available. Mm-hmm. And at the same day, Lamella said, "I'm fit to play." Right. Mm-hmm. The next game, he started in Dombley, and the game after that, he started in Dombley. So there, there is no, in my perspective, from what I understand of the situation, there's no beef there. There's no issue from Mourinho. So you're right. And 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 now, actually, he's played two games on the bounce and got injured. So we are where we are. Um, yeah, but it's it's just a weird thing that. I think the two players that could most improve us out of that list, and this is a list that includes Napoli, Juventus, Bayern Munich, and Atletico Madrid, the players from Norwich and Watford might be the ones to to improve us. <laughs> Incredible. Well, well, that's the funny thing. I think the last thing I'd say is if you look at the the sort of foundations of that Pochettino team, you've got a right back from Burnley, a right back from Sheffield United. Um, yeah, the centre backs are from Ajax, but a lot of those. A lot of the success, I think, came from being able to to scout really well and see that maybe there aren't some traditional powerhouses that could could supply you with well, players De- for growth. Deli Ali from MK Dons, Harry Kane from our youth, yeah. youth team, Hunmin Son from Bayern Leverkusen. You know, these are not powerhouses of European football. They're 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 teams that had great players that we managed to to pick up and scout. So there shouldn't. I think a lot of football fans do look at the team before the player. And, you know, Jerome Botang is attractive to me because he's sexy, isn't he? He looks mm-hmm. good. You know, he's got the history behind him, but perhaps won't be as effective in our uh, 
defensive setup as Decore or, or Max Aarons. I, th- uh, I think that kind of stuff works at like a lower level. I think if you sign, you know, like a buying defender and you're in the championship or something like that, I think he can bring that mentality or those those uh, intangibles with it. But I think when it's like buying to Spurs and you're trying to recapture what once was brilliant, it just it always reminds me of Newcastle signing Nicky Butt from Man United and thinking like, why have we done this? This is it's just not a very good player anymore, to be honest. Like he was okay at Man United, he's not great now, and we're stuck with him. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, <laughs> Kristen is a staunch Newcastle fan and isn't very happy with Steve Bruce at the moment. But we're not going to go into that, Kristen, because like, this isn't yes. you know this isn't a podcast about Newcastle. Uh, and you've done enough moaning off air because we we had a little chat beforehand. So I felt like you've got it out of your system, and let's just close the podcast now. But everybody's happy with what we discussed. Is that okay? Sounds lovely. Kristen, it's an absolute pleasure to talking to you. And thanks once again for joining us. Uh, everybody loves it when you're on. So we'll do it more in uh, well, throughout January if you're up for it. Sounds wonderful. So it was a lovely way to kick off the new year, mate. <laughs> lovely. All right, good speaking to you, mate. And uh, we'll speak soon. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 5X480. Dayton B100 V-Belt. One of the many parts Granger carries. It's also the item that helped Rob carry the day. The job was on hold. Deadline fast approaching. But a quick search on Granger.com and Rob found his part. And with same-day pickup at his local branch, he and his crew got the job done safely and on time. Get supplies and solutions for every industry with real-time product availability. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.